0: Welcome! I'm Sirius Afshar, and this is the WIGO's Informal Economy Podcast Social Protection. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to the linkages between the informal economy and social protection, including debates around workers' health provision, pension schemes for older workers, as well as childcare systems and other social protection policies for informal workers. In order to improve their livelihoods. And in this episode, in India, the government has set a huge undertaking to register 380 million informal workers on a new database so that it could allow the delivery of social security payments. This database, called Ishram, was launched in August 2021. But, of course, this initiative was followed by a range of doubts, problems and barriers that has been hindering the implementation of this social registry system. To help us better understand the Ishram, the promises, shortcomings, challenges, and most importantly, the Indian context, we invited Avi Majithia. Avi is Wigo's Delhi Focal City Coordinator and holds a Master's Degree in Regulatory Governance from the Tata Institute of Social Sciences in Mumbai, India, and works closely with informal workers' organizations in Delhi. And now, let's hear our talk with Avi Majidhia. Avi Majidhia, welcome to our podcast. Hi,
1: Sirius. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, Avi, so let's jump right into it. So, first of all, can you please clarify for those who are not familiarized with the Indian context, what is ISHRAM, where did it come from, what problem was it meant to tackle?
1: Okay, Um, so ISHRAM is a national portal that has been developed by the Ministry of Labor and Employment in India, And the purpose is to create a national database of unorganized workers, as they say, informal workers as we know them. The idea is basically that there is going to be a national database that lists all informal workers, their different occupation categories, and you seed the database by using their existing information and linking them into the ecosystem. So you use what is India's unique identification number or card, which is the Aadhaar card. And through registration in the system, the system will basically have the details of informal workers, which is their name, what work they do, where do they live, the different category or sector of informal work that they're in, what are their educational qualifications, their skill level perhaps, their family details, etc. And the idea is to basically populate this database to eventually be able to extend social security and welfare benefits to informal workers using this database that is being created. So that is ISHRAM. The objective is to have a centralized database, which will then, using this, you will be able to implement access to social security schemes to informal workers, who so far have not had access to it. That's one objective, the main objective. The secondary objective is also portability because workers and their documentation is state-specific. Often your Aadhaar is linked to where you're from or where you got it. And so the idea is to have a national database that basically allows you to identify where a worker is regardless of where they are physically in the country and be able to give them benefits through it. That's the basic crux of what ISHRAM is. The ISHRAM portal registration began in 2021, uh, on the 26th of August in 2021, and it basically stemmed from seeing the impact that COVID-19 pandemic had on the majority of informal workers, in the country due to the multiple lockdowns and not having access to relief and social security schemes and so the east database was basically started because the highest court in the land the supreme court stepped in and directed the central government to recognize the informal workforce in the country Um, by registering them in a database and extending benefits to them. That's the background of how it came about. And that's the main problem also that it was meant to tackle because we all saw the way that the COVID-19 crisis played out and the severe devastating impact that it had on informal workers in the country and for them to not be covered under many sort of social security and welfare schemes that they could have taken advantage of. And during this period, you know, workers were having to rely upon their own savings, which got very depleted. There wasn't income coming in. So the overall sort of negative impact that was seen quite visibly on informal workers is what the creation of this database was primarily meant to tackle.
0: Thank you for laying the ground for our talk here, Avi. So those enrolled in the ISHRAM receive a card, but there is little clarity on what it would do. This in turn leads to different workers' organizations to have different takes on the scheme. Uh, can you please explain what does this card allow the beneficiary to do with it? And what benefits beneficiaries are entitled to with that card?
1: Okay, so I think I'll 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 answer this in two ways, in theory and practice. How is this a scheme or this card rolling out? So the idea is that when the, the Like I mentioned, the basic principle is that the Eshram database is eventually meant to link uh, informal workers to social security and welfare schemes and allowing them access to schemes that they so far haven't had access to, like pension and uh, insurance and any other sort of coverage that they should ideally have access to, which they don't currently have. When the database was first announced in 2021, it wasn't linked to any scheme. It was just a database to register workers. And the idea was that the social security and welfare schemes that are meant to be linked would be introduced at a later stage. And so that left a fair bit of confusion in the initial couple of days as to what the intended use would even be. There was some hesitancy about what is the point. Certain sectors, for example, construction workers already have their own welfare board. So there was a lack of clarity as to do they have to Re register? Will that cancel out their previous registration in the older welfare board? There wasn't any clarity on what this database is meant to do. And one feedback, though, that many of our partner organizations on the ground gave us, even in the initial couple of days, is that they wanted to enroll in the database regardless. They felt that it was important for informal workers to enroll in the database regardless because enumeration and registration is very important for informal workers in india there isn't a sort of widespread effort to have done this at this scale before and it's especially important for certain categories of informal workers who are less visible than others such as home based workers and domestic workers so at the current moment, the database allows for two things. One is that it allows for registration, enumeration and recognition, you know, which is a key demand for informal workers. Um, the other is that it is meant to link to existing schemes that are already there. And then the idea is that new, newer schemes, when, as and when they are announced, will also be linked to the database. So at present, sort of workers are entitled to receive accidental insurance under a scheme which is the pm suraksha bima yojna for in case of accidental death and permanent disability or partial disability so that's just one example of a scheme that they currently have access to but having said that there has been a general lack of awareness Uh, Since the registration process was first announced, many of the informal sector worker organizations, MBOs, NGOs, unions, they were not informed about the ISHRAM process and its benefits in advance. Like I was saying, there wasn't any clarity on what were the very specific benefits that they would be able to avail and more importantly, how. And also, there was no public campaign at the time of the inception of the scheme to raise awareness. So, workers didn't know how to fill out the forms. Uh, Worker organizations also learned how to do this as they went along. And it's the same case with the government mandated common service centers, you know, that have the mandate to support registration uh, into this database and access to services uh, where workers were supposed to go and get their registrations done. So, there's a general lack of clarity as to what the database was when it first launched and what were the schemes that would be attached to it you know since then there are some schemes that have been attached there's one for pension there's one for uh, life insurance health insurance like i mentioned the public distribution system, which is the food relief, it has also been attached to it. So there are there are a couple of schemes that have been attached to the, data, the database in the last uh, couple of months, but it isn't fully clear still on how these schemes are meant to be accessed. So recent evaluation showed that 74% of the country's informal uh, labor force has been registered on the Eastram portal as of August of this year, but you know, there is still so much uncertainty about what are the benefits of the program. So I think a recent report was saying that only the accidental insurance cover benefit that I was mentioning earlier is active, and there is still no clarity on what are the other schemes that have been attached, but how are they meant to be rolled out? What would be the application procedure? How would you get access to it, etc. So that level of confusion still does exist with this system.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, some workers' organizations have reported a great difficulty to enroll in the ISHRAM. What kind of barriers workers have been facing to register and what kind of measures do you think it could be done to reduce them?
1: So, yes, there have been many barriers in the process from the beginning. In Focal City Delhi, we supported our local partners on the ground here in Delhi to help register workers and in fact last year uh Focal City Delhi partners to support registered 12,000 workers Um, different partners combined registered about 12,000 workers in the database but you know that system has been fraught with challenges from the beginning Um, the biggest thing is that your Aadhaar card which I was mentioning which is your unique identification uh, number or card that all Indians are meant to have, is supposed to be linked. The idea is that your Aadhaar card is meant to be linked to a bank account and a functioning mobile number. And for the majority of informal workers, at least one link in this chain was broken. So you might have a phone number that is already registered to your um, Aadhaar card, and I mean, you might be one of the very few who also has a bank account linked with their Aadhaar card, but it's an older mobile number. Uh, for example, that due to the pandemic and not having access to enough income and funds, you know, you no longer have anymore. So you have a newer mobile number, and so that updation of documentation that workers had to do because either their documentation was out of date or it was linked to older dead phone numbers or it was linked to a bank account that they no longer had access to for example or that the documents for it were in their home village because I mean Delhi's made up of a lot of migrant workers and not everyone has their documentation at hand on hand with them so that was one of the big issues that they sort of faced which this the need for this linked documentation was an earlier barrier that workers were unable to resolve themselves very easily, and worker organizations, MBOs, and NGOs in particular, were very instrumental in helping them uh, resolve this upfront. The other, like I mentioned, is also there was a lack of awareness and sort of a knowledge about even. The sort of occupation categories that are meant to be in the database. You know, there was no public campaign like I mentioned at the time of the inception of this scheme to raise awareness. They did not know how to fill in the forms. And also what a lot of the reporting from the ground showed is that there wasn't enough care being put into um, how the forms were being filled out at perhaps cyber cafes that workers would go to or even at some common service centers although this was not as widely reported but we heard, we heard some reports of it where it was often that in helping a worker fill out a form and just dealing with the volume of applications that they were meant to de- deal with it was about not necessarily selecting the correct occupation code and selecting the first occupation code Uh, in the drop-down menu which was agriculture more often than not and so then many workers had to go back into the system with the support of organizations and correct the sort of wrong occupation codes in their card so there was this sort of a lack of awareness the other issue though it was that there was honestly with the whole system being digital the system wasn't equipped to deal with the sheer volume of registrations that it was being asked to do so website would crash most days it would only be operational for a couple of hours at odd hours of the day so you know worker organisations like one partner organisation had volunteers who were helping workers register and some of them would be active between the hours of 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. because that is when the website would be functioning, you know, so there are all of these different reports about how the system itself wasn't equipped to deal with the sheer volume. And... The other thing is also that it's important to note, sir, here is that the whole system is digital. This entire thing is only done online. It's a website, it's supposed to be very easy to navigate and all. But there is a language barrier. Initially it was only in English and Hindi was introduced as a language much later, but regional languages, many regional languages is still not a part of the system. So there's a language barrier for workers to themselves be able to access it. And the other is also that you know that there, there is such a wide digital divide in our country which has worsened due to the pandemic like workers who previously did have smartphones lost access to them they had to stop using those phones due to being able to you know due to being unable to maintain them anymore they, oftentimes in a two worker household we saw that women workers gave up their phones while the male worker had to keep them because women workers were more housebound during the pandemic due to the increased household and care responsibilities. So not having access to smartphones and the internet also really hampered the workers' own ability to be able to register themselves. And they were having to be reliant on other methods to register. You know, it wasn't very user-friendly, despite the claims for it to be. And one of the things that I mentioned briefly, but is sort of important to note, is that there are many occupational categories that are missing or not identified, or there are certain worker categories that are not listed still. Like one important thing is that home-based work is not listed as an occupational category. In the database, there are the different trades that are listed. So you can say that you do embroidery work or you do bead work or you do tailoring, but home-based work as a category is not an occupational category or an occupational code that you can select in the system and that does lead to problems with you know sort of enumeration and registration that one is one of the key challenges that the database is meant to address for informal workers.
0: So so many hurdles huh? Yeah. Uh, Do you think there's something that could be done to reduce these kind of hurdles?
1: I mean you have to make the system more efficient and um, in terms of just being able to manage the sheer volume the th- through the year, um, the government did sort of bolster the site and there were lesser and lesser crashes as the months went by. So that that was happening. But at the same time, you have to think about language access, you have to think about regional language access, you know, you have to think about adding occupational codes. Another One challenge is that it does not allow for listing of multiple forms of employment or multiple trades, even within the same sector of work that you do. So, I mean, to go back to home-based work, like if you say that you do home-based work, it is often guided by demand and supply. So in peak seasons, in festival seasons, a worker might be making garlands from fresh flowers. But in the off-season, she might be doing strap-cutting work for slippers you know which is subcontracted work from a nearby factory or something along those lines so there are multiple trades also within that larger sector of informal work that they do and that option is not on the system it doesn't allow for that flexibility doesn't recognize that fluidity in informal work so you know that is something that is important to do but I mean The biggest thing that is needed in terms of getting over these barriers is that you have to link benefits to the database and there has to be solid awareness generation on how to access it, what is the procedure, does it matter if you're a migrant worker or not, if you're living in your home state or not. What is a particular welfare scheme? Does it apply to you? Does it not? Like that level of information needs to be given when you start linking social security schemes. And at the moment, that is what is a missing gap. There are some schemes that have been attached to the database, but there's still no clarity on how to access them. Am I eligible for it? Am I not eligible for it?
0: You know, I would like to discuss one point that you mentioned briefly, there is a strong criticism about the inclusion of migrant workers in social protection and social assistance schemes in India. Can you explain this issue a bit further?
1: Okay, so the way migration largely works in the Indian context is that workers will migrate from villages and towns in certain states to larger urban areas for job opportunities. So if you take the example of Delhi, where I live and work, you have informal migrant workers coming in from all parts of the country. But if we were to just say that from the eastern part of the country, from Bihar and Uttar Pradesh, from very small towns and villages, they'll come from down south, from Tamil Nadu, workers will come. So there is uh, internal migration within the country. And how that plays out is that, you know, migrant workers travel to urban centers for better job and earning opportunities but more often than not all of their documentation still links them to their place of origin which is a village and a town in a different part of the country you know so for migrant workers let's say it's a it's a migrant worker from Bihar you know his Aadhaar card or his ration card which is you know, links him or her to the public distribution system, that will be of the village. So they will be keyed into, let's say, the system somewhere, but not where they're living. In practice, it doesn't give them any link to the cities that they live in. And this really came into the spotlight during the pandemic when migrant workers... They did have ration cards, but they were for their home village and not Delhi, for example. So they were not able to access the government-provided food relief in the initial months of the lockdown until the government sort of tried to create a workaround about it. But that's one example that really sort of came into the spotlight during the pandemic about how there is an exclusion of migrant workers in social protection and social assistance schemes just due to the fact of their documentation linking them to a particular place and not allowing for that to be portable or to travel with them. So one of the early demands in the pandemic was one card, one ration, uh, one card, one nation, which basically says that if I have an Aadhaar card, it establishes me as a citizen of India. So it should give me access to be able to get, benefits anywhere or if I have a ration card that links me to the public distribution system, then I should be able to walk into a PDS shop anywhere in the country with my ration card and get benefits from it. So I think one of the things that the Ishram database also tries to do in its mandate is to address this issue of portability that became very visible during the pandemic. And try and resolve that by allowing for workers to access benefits regardless of where they are currently living and whether or not that's in their place of origin or in a different city in the country.
0: Mm, That's where I I wanted to get. uh, To what extent do you think the Ishram card can help? Or is helping to mitigate this problem.
1: Again, I would say in theory and practice, right? In theory, it's meant to tackle this issue about portability of benefits and access, especially for migrant workers. Beyond just registration, enumeration, and identity, which is seen as just a very key thing that will emerge out of the Ishram database registration, the most complex question has been how to ensure portability. So your idea is that interstate migrants should not be discriminated against and deprived of accessing local social security or central social security benefits because you're a migrant. And that's what Ishram is meaning to address. But the other thing is also that it's sort of conflated with informality. You know, most migrant workers work in informal sectors. And if the state is addressing their informal worker status through this database, it will deal with their vulnerability. And this question of portability and linkage then is how ISHRAM meant to address it. Now, if it is implemented properly, it will resolve many of these issues, right? Because in theory, you should be able to get access to a social security scheme just on the basis of what your ISHRAM card says. So if my ISHRAM card says that, my name is Abhi and I am a domestic worker, for example. I come from Bihar. This is my age, this is my caste, this is my gender, this is how much is my income and this is my education level, this is my skill level and on account of it I should be able to get access to the pension and the health insurance and the life insurance scheme under this. Then it doesn't matter that I'm from Bihar and I currently live in Delhi, I should be able to use my insurance card and go and get that benefit and that's how it's meant to mitigate this problem that's that's what the ishram database is meant to do if implemented properly when implemented properly but how is it meant to actually happen in practice is not clear yet like i feel like i'm repeating myself but there is a difference between central and state schemes in particular you know like with central schemes having an ishram card will potentially mitigate problem of access for migrants but I'm throwing a question out there and I don't have the answer for it. But if there are any state-specific schemes in the future, so how do you put that into action, you know? Do you then again make a difference between where you are based versus where you are not based? Or do you still sort of look at it as a national pool, a general pool and everyone should have access to it? Like these are questions that we don't know if there will be issues or not, and what would be the answers to them in practice when they actually start rolling out the schemes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So now to wrap up, Avi, moving forward, what do you think it can be done to improve the ISHRAM? And what are some of the claims workers make in this sense?
1: Um, I think what is needed, the, the, the need of the hour is to link benefits uh, to the e database, and you know, actually run awareness campaigns about h- how you can access these benefits, what category of workers are eligible, what not. Like that level of clarity is missing in the entire system right now. What is happening is that we are registering in a database. Informal workers are registering in a database, but what is the next step beyond it is not clear. We know that benefits are coming but when and how and what access would be, that is the need of the hour. That's the first thing to sort of address. And then the other things would be to sort of bolster the system and to make it more responsive to the realities of informal work in the country. Like I mentioned, you know, there are certain occupational codes that are listed. There is a differentiation between certain types of informal work. That is an unnecessary specification of trades as opposed to sectors of informal work so that responsiveness to what is the reality of informal work has to be understood by the by the government and the system and you know worker organizations for example through advocacy can be very useful here to say that no this is our database these are the workers we work with we feel that these trades need to be listed under this common occupation code for example which is what worker organizations are doing with Home-based workers, you know, that's an advocacy that has been ongoing from the beginning of the launch of e-Shram, which is that home-based work as a category, as an occupation code needs to be added into the system. And the other is also, like I was saying, that you have to understand that there are multiple forms of employment within the informal sector. There are phases of an unemployment for certain months during off-season, you know, during lower, like when it's the off-peak season for example within a a sector there are multiple trades that people work within so that level of responsiveness is something that the system needs that it currently doesn't have so it feels a little removed, a little disconnected from what is the reality of how informality
0: and informal work actually plays out Avi Majitia thank you very much thank you sirs to learn more about the Ishram database, its potentials and critiques, we will leave some links at the description of the episode. And don't forget to follow WeGo on social media, Twitter and Facebook, to get the most updated news about our research advocacy and more. I am Cyrus Afshar, and this was the Informal Economy Podcast: Social Protection. See you next time.